As an OD business owner, there are times in your career when you have to make life-changing business decisions. In this podcast series, I'll talk to ODs and business owners who have insight into how things really work, which can help you rethink your assumptions before making those major decisions to avoid expensive mistakes while optimizing their outcomes. This is the Think Again podcast from iThrive by GPM. I'm Scott Jens, your host, and today's episode is Give Your Optical Business More Attention with guest Mike Delapesca. Mike is president of Quantum Optical, which is an educational and training resource group focused on opticians and staff. As a national lecturer, he's provided insights to ODs who own eye care businesses, and that's why he's a great guest for today's podcast. Mike, welcome to the Think Again podcast. Thanks, Doc. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. You mentioned to me one time that when an OD manages the optical part of their business poorly, it shows up everywhere. Tell us what that means. Well, uh, Doc, it's always better to be proactive than reactive when it comes to managing a practice, right? But there's so many moving parts. Uh, sometimes issues that are important can be overlooked. So, you know, some of those issues could lead to an overworked staff, uh, stressful work environment, including uh, employee retention and morale. And that could spill over to patient encounters and negatively impact the patient experience. Um, by the time it's noticed, usually the damage is already done and even more difficult to unwind. It's odd, though, because the optometric business that is a typical one has a large proportion of its revenue coming from the optical. So what you're saying is that you see more often than not that ODs that don't pay attention to that part see that trickle over even into their clinical care. Absolutely. I mean, the dispensary, like you said, is responsible for 50, 60, 70% of the practice's income. Um, and a lot of times it's treated like the redheaded stepchild, you know, it, it's just there and it does its job. Um, you know, uh, you got to love it. You got you to really uh, look into it and monitor it and, and make changes as they need to be uh, made. Otherwise, you wind up in a rut. And if these things do trickle over, then it does impact the patient experience in the exam room as well as the dispensary. It's so obvious, and yet I think that the listeners need to think about this a second time, not just saying, I've got it covered. You've got a lot of operational insights from your time in the industry. We'll hit a few different areas. Let's start with staffing levels. I know practices have a lot of turnover. What are the mistakes that OD owners make when they address the reduced staffing levels? Well, you know, we all know uh, any business today, uh, short staffing is kind of the the uh, thing that's going around, every practice is short-staffed as well, or many of them. Uh, in today's environment, the tendency is to hire, you know, unexperienced people that seem like they're a good fit for the practice, uh, but they're, you know, they're really hiring them because they could start on Monday. <laughs> and, and that's usually what's going on here. Then fingers crossed, they hope that uh, someone like the optician or the technician will train them. And, and the staff may be still too busy to offer proper training. Yeah, I've heard it so many times. Um, sometimes uh, doctors look into free training resources, such as having a lab rep come out for a few hours, maybe bringing in a lunch and working with a new hire. Unfortunately, there are limitations to that approach. It's quite common for the training to improve like product knowledge and things of that nature, which you really want people to have a solid understanding of is the products. Absolutely. But that's only one piece of the training puzzle. In order to be a well-rounded member of the team, 
the training's got to include core optical principles and understanding of lenses and frames, vision, coatings, filters. You know, I've heard a lot of doctors say things, you know, what if I spend the money to train all these people and they leave? The question you need to ask yourself is, you know, what if you don't train them and they stay? (laughs) That's really well said. I've heard that said in other ways, but man, is that uh, shine a bright light on it. Mm -hmm. And I I guess my takeaway is letting a non-expert train somebody that you want to be an expert is a mistake. And sometimes it requires us to even reduce our, our patient care load a little bit to let our good people train people to the right levels. Right. Is that fair? It is fair. Uh, and, you know, and, and you're sacrificing one end of the practice to build up another end of the practice. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Good point. Um, let's talk a little bit about hiring. I, I, I know that you just mentioned that sometimes we don't use, shouldn't use outside resources or lean on them too heavily to, to say train. But when a doctor has insufficient staff in the optical area, what kind of methods can they use to find qualified employee candidates, especially at this time in, in the markets as we have them today? Every business, as you said, is understaffed. Real tough these days, Doc. There's, there's lots of out avenues out there for help wanted. You know, of course, the big general online websites that are out there, they really don't cater to optical specific people. Uh, so that could be like looking for a needle in a haystack. There are optical specific recruiting companies and the fees and results do vary greatly. They're out there. Uh, then my preference is the grassroots approach. Your reps are the eyes and the ears out there in your neighborhood, and they know who's looking for work and who's looking for help. They're a pretty valuable resource when it comes to hiring good people, and it may be something to look into. Also, if you're in a state with an optical college, they might have a list of trained apprentices or newly licensed people looking to get started in their career. Um Lastly, another alternative, just look towards your professional organization or your state optometric organization. They generally, some of them have uh, uh, job boards posted online or in their newsletters. All these are options out there worth exploring. Ask around and you will find somebody. I think it's an interesting side to that, that sometimes we might worry that the reps are looking to help our own staff get planted elsewhere. But that's probably another case of take care of your people first, and that shouldn't be a concern. That's exactly right. You know, we can get into that a little bit later, but, uh, you know, that's usually the, the place that people are looking. I'm looking for another job. Can you help me out? Do you know anybody who's looking? Those conversations happen with the reps that you form relationship with. And on the same side of things, they will know who's looking for help. So you're not going to cannibalize your own practice by doing that. Um, you're going to find somebody who's looking. And if somebody was going to leave, that's just an alternative. It's not going to uh, force their hand in any way. I want to get to the topic of staff training uh, a little more deeply because I'm not sure that I did a great job with staff training. You've already given us a little insight, but I want to go deeper, particularly because Quantum Optical does on-site training because you know it's important. And I guess I'd like you to help suggest how OD business owners can make sure that the training that they do supports their business properly. We developed our uh, in-house in-office two-day training program. It's called the Pinnacle Program because the need for training was so necessary and important in today's environment. Uh, Any training program has to be tailored to meet the needs of each individual practice. There's no such thing as a cookie cutter training approach here. Um, By including instruction of 101 level basic optical, product knowledge, lens designs, uh, terminology and principles, 
along with hands-on training for things like you know frame repairs and alignments that gives the entire staff the confidence and foundation to understand the fundamentals i always cross-trained everyone in in the practice i worked at to do basic repairs when I was dispensing this way, if a patient came in for a repair while I was working with another patient on a sale, they didn't have to wait for me to free up or interrupt the sale to go do repair, which generally takes more than you thought anyway, you know, when you get started. Uh, so at that point, I'd simply find a staff member to handle the fix while I continued with the sale. Both patients are helped. Both patients are happy. Customer service is achieved. Um, and, you know, rinse and repeat. It's, it's good for the staff members. On a side note to that, employees really appreciate learning new things and becoming more valuable to the practice. Uh, people tend to stay employed longer where they feel there's an advancement opportunity or, or they just like the work they do at their job. So I've personally witnessed members of the staff continuing to grow and learn and ask questions. They're inquisitive about optics and things of that nature. And some of them even went on to get certified or, or you know, get licensed or learn about more things and wind up working for me in the dispensary. So, you know, you train your staff, you never know where they're going to wind up. You know, I think for some doctors, they grow their business to the point where they get differentiation of staff. And that's a point of pride. Like I now have an optical team. I have a pretest team. You know, I have a billing team. And you are flying in the face of that saying cross training is actually really important because it helps you take care of a patient when they show up. And I now flash back to times where patients would sit and wait while the yeah. expert optician was busy, you know, for a screw or a nose pad. And at least the patient can be attended to. That's really important insight. And I guess you're challenging us that way. Cross training is actually a way of providing deeper service. It is. And, and we've seen it time and time again. Uh, where, you know, patient experiences uh, are improved, staff is happier, you know, and, and then you trickle down to, you know, the ROI, more money comes in as well. So, well, I, I mean, that's really the point. And, you know, patients take care of and money trickles in. I, I, I know that this, uh, this podcast isn't about promoting products, but I'm really glad you mentioned that you have a training program. It is probably one of a number that doctors should look at to think about experts that can help get this done. Um, I want you to give some advice about how the doctor that owns an eye care business should actually dig into their optical business. I, I know you feel like there are traps they fall into where they don't look at everything around the business side of the optical. That's true. You know, we've talked about uh, things for years when it comes to the, the doctors being involved with the eyeglass sales. Um, and it still surprises me how many doctors refuse to talk shop in the exam room. You wear the white coat. You have a definite influence on the patients I wear purchase. They come to the practice for your expert advice. Um, I get it. There's some discomfort for the doctor to start a conversation on lenses, frames, you know, multiple pairs, things of that nature. And it's difficult to start off cold. So the simplest way I can think of is to develop a lifestyle questionnaire it doesn't have to be very long. It just it can be very brief, but you want to give it to each patient to complete, whether they're doing their forms on the web and bringing them in with us with them, or they're doing it, you know, at the, uh, at the point of check-in that questionnaire, the questions can vary, but it should lead to answers on how the patient uses their eyes and their occupational recreational vision requirements. 
Also, a good question to put in there would be, what do you like or dislike about your current eyewear? It gives the optician or the doctor an opportunity to discuss alternatives to things that may not have been available when they purchased them last. Um, when the patient gets to the exam room, it becomes a natural part of the exam and the doctor-patient interaction and refer back to the lifestyle questionnaire and start just a simple conversation. You know, something very simple. Mr. Jones, uh, I see you fill in the blank. You're an avid fisherman or boater. I'm going to prescribe, and notice that word, I'm going to prescribe polarized lenses with backside AR, which will help reduce the glare off the water, protect your eyes from harmful UV. That wasn't a sale. That was a doctor recommendation for something that's going to help their, their visual recreational needs. They can follow it up with, let's go out to the dispensary. We'll talk to the optician. We'll review your options. And at that point, the optician really isn't selling anything. They're just following up on the doctor's recommendations. It creates kind of a custom eyewear approach that your patients are going to appreciate. And I think a lot of doctors have been advised to prescribe and recommend in the exam room, but boy, you painted an incredibly clear, clear picture that can help the listeners think again about how they're doing it and what they might've implemented and, and have let fall off. Um, I, I, deeper into the optical business, I think you've advised me to talk about the areas of looking into pricing and lab bills, even from preferred vendors, because I think our colleague, my colleagues, uh, optometrists who in eye care businesses don't always get into it, especially if somebody's been a recommended lens or frame company. Um, they just trust it. And I know you believe they should look more deeply. It's your business and nobody's going to take care of it uh, better than you do. I know a practice once that had a frame board with about 90% high end product in what you would classify as a depressed neighborhood. It, it just didn't meet the needs of the, of the practice or the, of the patients. Now, you know, I agree a patient, a frame board should have a variety of styles that fit all price points and all needs, but this was way off. And when I asked the doc, he had said he was too busy to worry about stocking the frame board. So when the reps come in, he just tells them to load up the empty slots with whatever you think is best, uh, maybe some of your best sellers. And again, most reps are pretty good with helping a practice stock a frame board, but sometimes the stock may not need to meet the needs of the practice. Only the doctor or the staff knows the needs of the business, not the rep. And, you know, to be involved, you got to see what sells, what doesn't customize your frame offerings and pricing structures to your demographic. Don't be afraid to stock some high-end product, you know, but mirror the frame board along the lines of your, your, your business. And once we got that frame board back in line with the patient base, the sales were higher and more consistent because the business wasn't perceived as being priced out of the market. And you also suggest to look into things like terms and conditions for early payment discounts on lab or supplier bills that are available, but maybe the doctors just haven't paid attention to. That's exactly right. You know, we're, we're so busy, you know, worried about uh, maximizing third party billing and, and things of that nature. We're, we're, we're stepping over dollars to pick up nickels. Sometimes it's your business. Nobody's going to watch it for you. If you're a member of a buying group, are you getting the proper discounts on your purchases? Um, have your wholesale prices increased since you developed your, your retail pricing list last, if it has that's going to reduce your profit. It's real important to check because those nickels are going to add up quickly. You know, uh, one other topic is uh, the policies that you have with frame and lens companies on warranties and returns. I know that our practice, 
tried to have a very patient-friendly return policy and warranty, but there's traps there too, aren't there? There is. You know, the, the uh, consumer buying mentality these days is you could return anything at any time, no questions asked. That's the way it is uh, anywhere these days. And, um, you know, manufacturers and labs change their scratch and non-adapt warranties all the time. If you're offering a two-year scratch warranty on your lenses and the lab changed it to a one-year warranty, what happens when the patient comes back on day 366, right? You're going to be on the hook for the cost of those lenses. Uh, so it's definitely something to watch out for so you can line your, your internal policies and warranties to the labs and the manufacturer's warranties. Last, let's talk about scheduling around optical patients. Do you have any advice about how patients or whether patients should be scheduled for optical services? I do. You know, what I love about working in an optical practice is no two days are ever the same. You know, everything's a little different. Um, some days it's all repairs and adjustments. Others, it's all sales and lab work. You know, it just, it's, it's a nice, nice flow. Um, scheduling in the dispensary can be a challenge. It's, it's a little different than the exam room. Um, but however, since, especially since the onset of COVID, many practices are implementing a scheduling system for eyeglass sales and dispensing uh, to reduce the number of people in the office at any one time. So it gave us a little taste that it can be done. Um, one option, go the extra mile. And when you're notifying a patient that their glasses are ready to pick up, just don't stop there. Schedule an appointment for dispense kind of like a concierge service. This can help with patient flow in it differentiates your practice and allows the optician to spend the necessary one-on-one -on -one time with the patient and their new glasses, kind of like that, that finishing touch, so to speak, uh, answer any questions, make sure they fit right, make sure they understand all the options they purchased. Now, of course, you know, try as we might, a patient's going to walk in for a repair or something in the middle of that scheduled, you know, dispense. But at that point, you go back to your cross-trained staff. You pull one of those that are free. And if they could do the repair, I can, I can complete the sale or, or the dispense. Uh, and again, all your patients are happy. And that's what they look for. That's the trickle-down effect that we see is when patients notice these things, bad vibes happen and, and bad communication happens. When everybody walks out happy, they're more apt to talk about your practice in a positive light, which again is word-of-mouth advertising and builds more business. Well said. Mike Delapesca from Quantum Optical, you get the last bit of advice. What's your closing thought to the audience? My last closing thought would be to uh, do things a little different, change the way things used to be, you know, uh, buck the status quo. If you feel that training and, uh, and uh, bettering your staff is important, then look into it. Don't do it, you know, uh, next year, next six years. Do it today. Start the process going. There's lots of training material out there. And, and if you're interested in doing it, start the process and you're going to notice a difference. You really will in your practice. Mike, thanks for your time and expertise today. It was really awesome. Same here, Doc. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And that's it for today's Think Again podcast brought to you by iThrive from GPM.